Good afternoon. Thank you very much for listening to the Professional Insight Podcast. We are now in Season 4 or Season 3. We just really don't know yet. We'll figure it out. It's the pandemic. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast, for sharing and caring, and for sending in your questions. Thank you also to our sponsors, Brand Boulevard, for giving us free swag to give away, well, right now, just to us. Think um, but that, we really appreciate it. Is that uh, where you my, get your and Corey from there, Collins? I don't know. You know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because we're not getting one anyway, so why would he even yeah, care? Until we like, get one. He's, he's poor, remember? My yeah. name's Brandon Curry. I'm poor Jeff Collins. Josh Bond. <laughs> and Trevor Lindy. So Think? we're gonna we're gonna give the poor yeah, bastard. Yeah, you can be the title sponsor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He right? can be the yeah bridge and quarry. Brought to you by bridges and quarries. Um, I got <laughs> a question. Get a, a, a mill guy to sponsor us. They got the cash right now. All right. Say a little. How about you work on that? How about you work on that? Yeah, I'd love to meet them person. They're losing uh, money right now, buddy. They're losing money. Yeah. <clears throat> mill prices. Yeah. yeah. Lumber futures. They've been dropping steady for weeks now. Yeah, poor lumber guys. All right, so got a question in. Uh, it, we are recording this on June twenty second, twenty twenty one. Happy summer. Uh, that the reason why, uh, and we're just we're just you know what? It's summertime. It's now the uh, second full day of summer, um, and so therefore we're just ecstatic that Trevor Linney's not on vacation, and he's actually on the podcast right now. So, and when you're listening say, to this, I'm on vacation. Yes, 100%. And 100% he is. He's in a trailer where, so it, where, you, you, can't, where you can't take a number two. Um, question for uh, for you, Trev. Yes. Our lovely federal government and uh, Minister of Finance, uh, Christina Freeland, uh, went ahead and, uh, as of June 1st, enacted the new mortgage stress test rules in an effort to um, stamp down the price increases that are happening um, uh, across Canada. Yep. Even when you take out Vancouver and Toronto, the market is still running hot. Yep. That that right, and but I've said uh, we, you and I have talked about this offline. But uh, I've said this on a post. Uh, we do not have a mortgage problem in Canada. We have a supply problem in Canada because there's so much bloody red tape to get anything done. And Jeff has spoken about this in previous episodes on getting permits and getting uh, site plans. So anyways, this is government. They like to regulate in order to uh, to supposedly help. But can you please tell our listeners what this what these new rules mean? Okay, so first and foremost, it was OSFI, the Office of the Superintendent of Financial Institutions, that back in April announced that they were going to make uninsured. Correct. So borrowers putting down 20% or more. They were going to make their qualifying criteria harder. They were going to increase the qualifying rates. So the people that had the most amount of money to go into the housing market with were going to be the group that were, were going to be penalized. Uh, so so Ausfi, put that put that into layman's terms for everyone. Yeah. So I, I'm getting there. I'm getting. You there. saved your down payment. Shame on you. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you put your butt. 
you've saved as much money as you can to get yourself to that 20 plus percent so you don't have to pay default insurance on the mm -hmm. purchase. And, you know, the OSFI, excuse me, uh, decided to make the stress test harder because at that time it was the benchmark, which was 4.79% or the contract rate, so meaning the contract that you have negotiated with the lender, bank, credit union, uh, broker, what have you, that interest rate plus 2%, whichever was higher. So 4.79, so if you had a rate of 2.49, that would give you a rate of 4.49, so 4.79 still held true. Anyways, so they decided they were going to, by the sounds of it, do this five and a quarter, and, you know, fast forward, basically, this was April, throughout April, part of May, uh, it was opened to stakeholders. So like Mortgage Professionals Canada, like Neighborhood Dominion Lending Centers, mortgage brokers and mortgage agents are part of, uh, are members of uh, the stakeholder. They went, you know, they wrote an open letter saying, hey, it doesn't make sense to be doing this. You know, there should be other avenues that we should be looking at to make changes. Anyways, long and short, fast forward, we're end of May, and OSFI says, yep, June 1st, this is coming into play. What we were not expecting was good old government, uh, Christia Freeland. Government uh, of Canada. Yeah, bank, yeah, government of Canada. Uh, she decided to follow suit with OSFI's new regulation and made it on all mortgages because why not? Mm. Right. So now everybody, regardless whether you're putting down 5% or you're putting down 95%, you now have to qualify for your mortgage based on 5.25%. Uh, what that means to consumers is you're seeing anywhere from like a 3 to 5% decrease in your overall purchasing power. Uh, the less money you make, the less money you're qualified for, the more impactful it is. So if you were pre-approved originally for 400000 you're going to be impacted more negatively than the person that was pre-approved for $800,000. Um, as higher you have ability to for more, uh, and because of that, th there's less fluctuation in your overall affordability when you add liabilities in, like we talked about in the past, the whole you know monthly obligations, car payments etc. Um, it's important to note, anybody watching, listening, uh, that last year, pre-pandemic, our government announced that they were going to loosen the stress test qualification criteria mm -hmm. because they felt that it was very archaic. Uh, 479 is really just a made-up number, uh, the benchmark. Uh, so they were trying to come up with an alternative solution uh, and this was in conjunction with OSFI, Office of the Superintendent of Financial Institutions. Uh, it was to change and make things, you know, more uh, more spot on with what's happening out there in the marketplace. So basically what those changes were supposed to be back then were that we were going to use the, um, I believe specifically it was the contract plus two, but it was specifically... Um, the you know a set rate that was predetermined on a weekly basis and that was how they were going to calculate it uh all of a sudden covid happens we enter the state of the world that we are in 
while Ontario is still in for some stupid reason. Uh, Hopefully but, climbing out. Hopefully climbing uh, hope, out. Yeah, climbing out. Uh, anyways, so the, they decided, okay, we're going to pump the brakes. We're not going to make any changes right now. Uh, that was in April. And fa- April 2020, fast forward, now we decided to make it harder because the market got hot. All right. So let's just, let, let's Super just, hot. we're going to use a, we're going to use a real life example. The average house price in Canada is what, Trevor? Uh, I can't tell you what the average house price in Canada is. Okay. What about the region? Do we have a well, region? I, I can pull up the most recent stats. Uh, let's see. It's probably around 540, I bet you, in the region right now. Probably. It depends on which municipality, right? But yeah, yeah, $716,000 is the average house price in the Canadian housing market right now. Now, that is including, obviously, Toronto and Vancouver. Mm. Um, So that is uh, price in Niagara. Yeah, so like... If for those that didn't know, and and I apologize, Jeff, because I know you're part of Royal LePage NRC. Uh, I don't know if they have it as readily available, but Sally Magar uh, on their website, right, under, right underneath their about and then market report, uh, readily available statistics there, twenty four seven. So I'd love to to uh, plug NRC if they have it as well. So Jeff, tell me if they do. Uh, but they yeah, do. right now, what's that? They do. It right on their website. They should, yeah. Okay, let's go and see there. So, regardless, anyways, yeah, yeah, regardless. Uh, so according to um, let's just work that, off of a seven fifteen, right? Se- so we're doing seven hundred and fifteen thousand. Well, so we're saying people don't just listen to us. Yeah, but people don't just listen to us in Niagara, Jeff. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, what's it in Tokyo in Australia? Because I know we're hot there. Yeah. No, but that doesn't apply. They didn't put the same. Anyways, so that's where move, my fan mail comes moving, from. So I move, wanna... moving on. Um, <laughs> that's because so, you send them hoodies. Yeah, just doesn't care about you. I send it to them. So seven hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. <laughs> so let's just assume someone in April of twenty twenty one was approved for seven hundred and fifteen thousand dollars, and they purchased, you know, sorry, they purchased a home for seven seven hundred thousand. Let's make it an even number. Sure. All right. In April of 2021. Now, with the size of that and where it was, it does not matter. And they came Actually, up with. Actually, I would have been 715 and they purchased it for 815 probably in April. Sure. So they got approved for a $700,000. Uh, they got approved for um, a, max purchase, a max purchase price, a max mortgage price of $700,000, which means they would have had to. Uh, save if they were if we're listening to Offsy a minimum of oh wait sorry about that a minimum of one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. So the house was priced at eight hundred and seventy five thousand. They saved a twenty percent down payment. And that was a $175,000 down payment resulting in a mortgage of $700,000. Under the more old mortgage rules, 20% or higher is an uninsured mortgage. Correct, Trevor? Okay, so let's 20% or higher is an uninsured mortgage. The best way to look at it is, let's go and say here, uh, let's look at it from the average household income. 
So Curry average statistic right now for the average household income in Canada. With, yeah, with, with children's $101,000. $101,000, okay. Mm -hmm. So we've got... Based on 2018 uh, StatsCan. Okay, perfect. Uh, so pri pre... Uh, let's, let's just throw out, I don't know, $3,600 a year in taxes, hundred bucks a month, uh, amortized over 25 years. We can do 39, 479, your maximum mortgage amount. Okay. Based on 101,000, uh, you're looking at about 505. Okay. Yep. So fast forward past June one, which we're already in it. Your purchase price goes from 505, excuse me, your mortgage amount goes from 505 down to so this is in addition to like plus your down payment that would be added mm -hmm. into the equation uh your purchasing power now drops to 483 so 20 grand yep and you're making and you're making household income of a hundred thousand dollars and you Correct. just lost twenty thousand dollars of purchasing power yeah yeah so to be exact to give you the exact percentage difference uh oops uh 479 so divide that by 505, 960, 63, 4.4%. Four, 4. Hmm. So see, the difficulty, the difficulty is, is how do you get, how do you correct a system where the people having difficulty getting in are the people without the money? Right? Because yeah, so I mean... Okay. You ask somebody you, else that wants to get like an income producing property or something like that, and they're not concerned with the mortgage, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it's that poor couple that, you know, well, it's, maybe it's, it's, buyer, it's, the first time buyer is just getting yeah. crushed. Yeah, that's that's what so I mean. That's I said poor couple, all. but I meant, I meant first time buyer. And that's why I say like, so man, mandatory condition periods. Right. Some people will argue, well, if you have a mandatory condition period, that means that if the four of us are all looking to buy a home separately, we'll just outbid each other, right? Because we all have a mandatory condition period. Yep. So I'm going to pay X, you're going to pay a little bit more. Uh, Curry, you're going to pay a little bit more than us. And Collins, because you're the richest of us all, you're just going to pay yep. the, the most. <laughs> Anyways, so, but the pro the reality is during that mandatory condition period, we already know that the bank is going to approve you on the lesser of your purchase price or the appraised value. So, <laughs> Now, all of a sudden we go, we get an appraisal done. We're all, everything's done during that mandatory condition period. Appraisal comes in light. That vendor is going to have two choices because as the purchaser, now that has a lower appraised value, they're going to do one of two things. They're either going to renegotiate on the purchase price, or if the vendor is not willing to renegotiate, okay, see you later, right? Those are at least that will be the case for those that don't have the money to be able to do it. Those that have the money and they don't really care to overpay, they're just going to do it anyways. But nonetheless, that's going to help. Another thing that, that could help the market as well, uh, why not make the qualifying criteria for buying investment properties harder? Yeah. Right, like well, they did why that. We so they still... they did okay, that in us. They did that in Australia. So basically, if you were a a resident, uh, a permanent resident, or a citizen of Australia, yep. and you were a first time home buyer, they waived the stamp duty, this which is the twenty percent tax that you would have to pay to the government for buying that house. Whereas I was not. I was on a visa. I also had to come up with my down payment, my per whatever the purchase price was, and then come back with. 
a 20% stamp duty that was taxed. They would waive that for first-time home bars. If you were to getting an investment property or you were not a permanent resident or a Canadian uh, taxpayer or Australian taxpayer, you would have to pay, you would have to pay 20%. Well, now you're coming up with your down payment of let's say 5%. You got to come up with, or let's say 30%, sorry, beg your pardon, because they operated on an investment property of 30 points. Yep, you would have yep. to come up with 50 points. Now people are starting to think twice about making that investment property. Yeah, well, so you're you're buy multiple it. ones either because they can only buy one instead of two. They would have bought right, so it's taken some of those purchases out of the market. Yep. Well, and the big, the like bigger... here we have the non-resident, right? We have the fifteen percent non-res, but we don't have fifteen percent on uh, the secondary property. Right. Well, and and you know, they establish establish a minimum criteria, right? Or like establish, come up with a solution of okay, well, you know, as Canadians or, or, or people that live in North America, our lifestyle is very accustomed to having a home and a cottage, right? That's secondary property. Or kids go away to school, mom and dad buy a property for that kid to live in while they're away at school. And so the secondary home part, but then now we get into additional investment properties. Um, as a broker, most lenders have us restricted to four plus uh, a primary residence, so if they're going to do, but this is the funny part. So Scotiabank is a good example and not, not ragging on Scotia, but using them as, as an example. So Scotiabank, uh, I can do a mortgage with Scotiabank. Essentially you're good for five principal residents, four rentals that we can get away with. After that, they cut you off and it doesn't matter if they are just financed with Scotia. It's just kind of general blanket, uh, elsewhere, but you can walk into a Scotiabank branch uh, or a Scotiabank uh, HFA, Home Financing Advisor, they refer to their mobile mortgage specialists as, and sky's the limit, right? Lots of institutions are like that when you're dealing with yeah. them. Right. Yeah, so direct, why yeah. not go and implement, like, instead of it being, why is it 20%? Make it 30%. Do something. And and I'm not claiming to have the answers, uh, but I definitely think that if our if we did two things here, Mandatory condition periods. I, I'm a firm belief, and again, my own opinion on this one. Um, you know, not not the brokerage. I'm not speaking on behalf of neighborhood dominion lending centers when I make that comment, but also going in and and implementing some type of more stringent criteria to qualifying for mortgages when you're buying an investment property. Something's got to give. Well, well we, I, we don't have the problem in the markets, the first time buyer. So if you were approved at 400 in the stress test, now you're 380, you're jamming down these first buyers into a more contested, heated kind of buying area, right? And yeah. the problem with them is it, it's not the problem. I can't find something from them. Why? I can't get a condition on the purchase for them. Like I'm, I'm looking with the one guy we were talking about earlier and the second there's an offer in it, we're, we're screwed. Yeah. I, I held my, I bit my tongue there. But they can't get any conditions whatsoever. So that'll fix that one problem right there. Yes. But it's still a, a hotly contested price point because they're also competing with people. If, if you're looking under $300,000, it's almost impossible in Niagara. Yeah. Impossible. And if something comes up under $300,000, you're competing with someone who's got a line of credit that buys it and flips it and it's done. Yeah, buys it, okay, flips it, they're buying it as an investment property, right? Because they're, they're based on where flip. the rental... They or they're keeping it as a rental property and buying it cheap. 
Yeah, based on where the cap rate is right now, absolutely. Like that's that price point, four hundred thousand or less. You've got your first time home buyers, your downsizers, your investors, your flippers that are all going into the same market. They're all trying to buy that same home. So why not increase the capital gains on something that's flipped within a year? Yeah, but that's not going to, we have a supply problem. We don't have a tax problem, right? So, yeah, but, but to Bonnie's point, no, no. They're flipping seven houses a, a, a year. But, like, but have you that, seen those ones that say, we buy houses cheap, we buy ugly houses, blah, 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 blah. They're surviving on doing more than one a year. They're doing 15 to 20 I of get, them, and they're all trained on this. Right, but that's not going to solve the problem, because by, by taxing capital gains, if you flip it within a year is just taking more tax from the person that's just going to do it anyway. So if they want to still yes. meet the same threshold, they're just if, if if right now it's 50%, you increase it to 75% ca- of, of capital ca- taxable capital gains inclusion, which was what it was in 2000. And they're doing five a year. They're just going to do 10. That's all they're going to do. They, these people don't care. It's, it's, it's not like to, to Bondo's point, they don't even it's think hard. twice. They'll be just like, oh, you've increased the down payment from 20 to, t- to 30? Okay. They're still going to do it anyways because the math makes sense. You'll it's, create it, a bigger divide, right? You're going to create, you're going to cut out that middle class because you're going to get the people at the top. That as are, a matter of fact, the flippers are the ones that you want. You want people to buy, flip it, and get it back on the market again and redo it. You don't want people to, what we don't want and what is what is happening is you've got in some cases, uh, people who are out of city or out of province or in some cases out of country buying up massive amounts of real estate and just sitting on it. There, it's happening in downtown St. Catharines right now. The old, the old, the old the, the, the company buying a billion dollars, billion dollars with the rental properties. Yeah. So I was just about to, to, before you interrupted, I said like the old standard building has had plans in downtown St. Catharines pre-pandemic for years for a because you can't because of um the dirty uh cement and soil underneath because of the printing press um you can't do anything but essentially condos uh because the first the first floor is gone it, you can't yeah, do anything on the first converted. floor yeah but they've got plans for student residents or whatever going up from the second floor onwards and the guy has just sat on it and sat on it and sat on it for, for years and years and years. And he just doesn't care because it's a, it's a write-off for him. So this is what these, so you actually want the flippers. You, you want the people to come in, buy the dogs, invest, gut, flip, and move. That's what you want. As a matter of fact. Well, I think with a flipper, you could put a little bit more protection on there. Because half the houses I look at for flips are dog shit worked on. It's hidden stuff, and it makes it look like it's good. It's causing more problems, and they're enhancing the price point, and it's not worth the value because they don't pull any permits or anything like that. Half the stuff's hidden because it's new drywall, so you can't see what's going on. So as much as I like the flippers, I think if they're a flipper, they should be able to determine they're a flipper by how many times they're doing it because you have to claim when you sell or buy a house. And it's very easy for the government to kind of keep track of that. They've got land transfer tax and all that stuff for it, right? So they should know what's going on. But there's some garbage flips that go out there and I go through all the time. Yeah. So as much as they like the flippers, and I think if you tax them more, as much as you think they're just going to do more, there's going to be a breaking point where they say, well, this is not worth it for us anymore. We're giving more profit to the government than we're making. 
But they're, they're you're right. There, there definitely will be some. Dollars. There definitely will be some. There, you, you, you're definitely going to cut out a chunk of people that are going to look at it from the perspective and say, ah, you know what, the, the taxes on it are too high. I mean, it's crazy. But, but, yeah. but all those houses under 400 k the first-time buyers can't get because they can't get any conditions. If it was all first-time buyers, they all had conditions, then they'd be able to get it. But they're competing with people who are flipping all the time. It's impossible. And the, the flips are terrible. Like, there's some good – but if you're a good flipper, you're not doing that. You'll get in the building. Yeah. Flippers are half-assed contractors typically doing it. And they're out there putting things of paper and everybody's things trying to beat out the real estate agents for it by saying, hey, we'll, we'll do it at cheap. We'll buy cash, no conditions, blah, 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 blah. All they're doing is screwing over the buyer, the, the seller or, of that house. Or, or, or fellow realtors are doing it too. Hey there, Jeffrey. Yeah, really, you should have your license taken to be a cut doing that. Oh, well, are, don't you know anyone on the board of the discipline for uh, the local realtors? I'm Do on you... the, the high performance board, but we haven't oh. had anything in a little while. Mm, but you have to get a complaint before you deal with it. If nobody complains, nothing happens. Got it. Anyways, well, that was a great episode. Thanks very much, everyone. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Please continue to send in your questions, uh, and we will get them on as soon as possible. Uh, Bondo? Help us help you stay informed. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.